I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, we travel to North and Eastern Sri Lanka and discover how the 25-year-old civil war influenced the cuisines of the Jaffna Tamils. 1st June 1981. At around midnight in the northern town of Jaffna in Sri Lanka, a mob of police and government-sponsored paramilitaries set fire to the Jaffna Public Library and annihilated it. This was in response to a rally held on 31st May by the Tamil United Liberation Front, a regionally popular democratic party. During the rally, three Sinhalese policemen were shot and two were killed. But this was no tit-for-tat retaliation in a war zone. It was not a low-intensity incident. This was one of the most violent cases of biblioclasm, the deliberate destruction of books, a cultural offense of the first magnitude. And neither was this a first in history. A well-known historic event was the destruction of thousands of books made from the barks of trees and bearing the wisdom of Mayan culture, which were burned in 1562 in Mexico, because the Spanish wanted to cleanse the natives of devilish thoughts. In the late 20th century, China's Red Guard wiped out artifacts and books in the takeover of Tibet. Pol Pot destroyed many books in the genocide of Cambodia in the 1970s. In 1992, the Serbs extended ethnic cleansing to the National and University Library of Bosnia and Herzegovina in Sarajevo, resulting in one and a half million books and manuscripts being incinerated in one night. In Jaffna, over 100,000 unique and irreplaceable Tamil palm leaves, manuscripts, parchments, books, magazines, and newspapers, housed within an impressive building inspired by ancient Dravidian architecture. were destroyed during the burning the library house documents of invaluable worth such as the only existing copy of the yalpana vaipava malai a history of jaffna written by the tamil poet mayil wagna ulavar in 1736 the library held miniature editions of the hindu ramayan epic yellowing collections of extinct tamil newspapers microfilms of important documents and records of the morning star a journal published by christian missionaries during the colonial rule of the island Moreover, it housed close to 100,000 Tamil books and rare old manuscripts and documents. Some of the precious documents were written on dried palm leaves and stored in fragrant sandalwood boxes. Documents in the library included historical scrolls on herbal medicine and manuscripts of prominent intellectuals, writers and dramatists. And they all wound up in ashes. For Tamils, the devastated library was a symbol of physical and imaginative violence. The attack was seen as an assault on their aspirations, the value of learning and traditions of academic achievement. And at the center of it lay the town of Jaffna. Jaffna. For the average tourist, the town carries the burden of the decades-long civil war, and they'd skip it for cooler climes of candy. To any Tamilian, it was the bedrock of the struggle for the Tamil nation within Sri Lanka. While it's impossible to concisely capture the Sri Lankan civil war. A crude summarization would be this: the majority Sinhala Buddhists maintained 
adopted as they descend from the original yaksha clans of Sri Lanka, they have special rights to scarce resources, jobs and other opportunities. Government policies that have favoured this interpretation have run into opposition from the minority Tamils. During the British colonial period, the Tamil people enjoyed a disproportionately large share of these opportunities. Once the country became independent, the Sinhala majority brought about policies that overwhelmingly favoured the Sinhala Buddhists. This included not providing citizenship to Indian Tamils who have been living in the northern and eastern parts of Sri Lanka for centuries. But one which angered them the most was the issue of language. I've been fortunate to have spent a year of my life in Tamil Nadu. The people are justifiably proud of their culture, but what they care about the most is the Tamil language. With a written history stretching 2,500 years, Tamil is one of the planet's longest surviving languages. Almost nowhere else has a more classical form of it been preserved than on the peninsula. In my time in Chennai, my attempts at conversing in broken Tamil, which was usually nothing more than an unintelligible stream of gibberish, gave me as much acceptance as the North Indian could have. The Sinhala only act of 1956 made Sinhala the only official language of Sri Lanka, squarely ignoring Tamil. A complex set of such factors gave rise to the civil war which lasted 25 years. But one of the lesser seen aspects of the war has been its influence on the cuisine of the Jaffna Tamils. The local cuisine has been uniquely shaped by geography and circumstance. It celebrates the abundance of seafood from the waters of the surrounding Bay of Bengal and compensates for the arid climate by making the most of locally grown produce such as palmyra, a tropical palm that has many versatile uses, green gram, moringa or drumstick and coconut. Years of war-led shortages have influenced the local food customs as has the cultural proximity that the predominantly Hindu region shares with South India. But war-led shortages compounded by lack of money brought about changes. Unusual ingredients became more prominent, such as the bitter leaves and blossoms of the vapam or margoza tree. Simple foods came to be associated with trauma. The war created a large population of IDPs or internally displaced persons. Tamilians who fled their homes and lived in refugee camps. This meant that food became a source of income for them since many had left traditional occupations back home. Vadais, or lentil fritters, widely sold as street food across the country, acquired a new meaning. Malati, a mother of four, who sold them on the street to feed her family during the war, said, the spinach vadais went from being a snack to a means of survival. According to Tamotaran Pillai Sanatanan, an artist, art historian and professor at the University of Jaffna, there came about a dish called midiwedi or landmine. A midiwedi is a Chinese roll, the colloquial term for a deep-fried breaded cutlet with a potato, meat or fish filling. But why did this dish, named after a landmine, become popular? It is a reimagination of the classic Sri Lankan Chinese rolls, but bigger and fierier. This is a reminder of over 20,000 people who have been killed or injured by landmines and other explosives. Yet another dish which became synonymous with displaced Tamils was malu buns. A soft fluffy bun filled with spicy potato and mackerel filling. Those who have eaten it describe it as spicy and utterly delicious, sour and fragrant with lots of curry leaves. They were once considered great snacks for long train journeys, for they could last for days and even months. For the displaced Tamils, it also became the food which could help them survive in the forest. It became the food of those fleeing the war on foot. Another Tamil favourite, which in India comes from the Tirunal Valley district, is a Sodhi Kudamba, 
It's a coconut milk based curry made from moong dal and vegetables. Sodi kudamba is served especially during the maruvidu function which takes place a day after the marriage. That's when for the first time the son-in-law visits the bride's house so the bride's family gives him a feast. But the lack of money and fresh vegetables in Jaffna meant that this creamy dish lacked both moong dal and vegetables. These mild gravies typically act as soothing antidotes to the fiery scorching cuisine of Jaffna Tamils. But for many it did not soothe the loss of people, language, culture and heritage. The 25 year long civil war ended in 2009. As we travel to places which have been ravaged by war, it's important to remember that while the war may have ended, the trauma continues to live on. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IBM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Utsav Memory on Twitter and YB Travel Forty Two on Instagram.